Hi, I'm Mark Schroeder and welcome to my podcast. I'm a Christian who's convinced that the Bible is true and actually is the best way to get to know God, the one who has saved us in Jesus. This podcast is a collection of Bible bits and pieces, Bible talks that I've given in all kinds of contexts. You see, I'm an ordained Anglican minister working in Sydney, Australia as a college chaplain. My main role is to teach the Bible in a Peter 12 Anglican school. But also from time to time, I preach in church, I speak at youth groups, or I teach the Bible at other youth events. I hope that this podcast is a great way of you getting to know God a little bit better and helping you to figure out what it means to live for Him because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. G'day everyone, uh, here's another chapel talk for you. Uh, this is the next one in the series from 1 Samuel. Uh, this is a series that I've titled The Search for a King. Uh, in this next talk, I cover chapters 8 through to 10. Uh, it will be worth you reading those chapters before um, you listen to the things I've got to say, just so you're familiar with the story. Um, and also, just a reminder that this is a chapel talk that I've given um, two senior school students, but uh, not necessarily in front of them because our chapels have actually been cancelled. Um, I'm not actually in a live room. So I've just done this um, as a video recording and then I've turned it into a podcast for you and then I've passed on the video recording to students. Um, so it just might sound a little bit different. But nevertheless, I hope you enjoy it. The reality is that we live in a world that loves to have new things. Things that aren't old, things that aren't broken. Uh, not long ago, I got myself a brand new Apple Watch. Uh, before I had the Apple Watch, uh, I just had a normal watch, a good old analog watch. I've still got it actually, and, and it still works pretty well. But, but there's something intriguing, isn't there, about a new gadget, a new Apple Watch. Um, the iPhone 6S, this was actually... My very first iPhone. Before that, I had Android and I saw the light and I've come through to know that, well, Apple's where it's really at. And so I went out and I bought a brand new iPhone. But, but the thing is, as, as time's gone on and as new phones came out and as my iPhone 6 sort of got old and it broke down, it was time to get a new one. And so I went to Optus and got a new plan and got a brand new phone. Uh, the thing is, we, we like new things, don't we? Uh, when something gets old and worn out, uh, we actually want to upgrade and, and we want something that's going to be better. Better than the old thing we have, we want something that's new, something that's improved. In 1 Samuel, we're going to see how God's people, they cry out to God for a new leader. So far, we've seen that uh, there was a guy called Eli and his sons, and that Eli was the priest. He was meant to be leading God's people in a particular way, but he just wasn't doing it right, was he? Um, and then his sons, well, they were scoundrels, weren't they? Do you remember? They, they were stealing the meat that was meant to be sacrificed, the meat that was meant to be an offering to God. And so then here comes Samuel. Samuel is ushered in, and Samuel is the next leader, the new leader of God's people. And Samuel looks to be doing a good job. And even in time, Samuel has some sons of his own. And so we start to wonder, is this going to be the case with God's people? Is Samuel going to be the leader that God's people want? And after Samuel, maybe his sons are going to come up and they're going to take over. 
all we're going to discover today is that, no, Samuel gets old. And Samuel's sons, well, they're broken. They don't do a very good job of leading at all. And so God's people, they ask for a new leader. But not just any leader. We're going to see how God's people, they ask for a leader for a king. They, they want a king because they want to be like all of the other nations around them. And we're going to do that now. We're going to look at some of those verses in Samuel. We're going to read through some of them. And hopefully we're going to be challenged to think about who is our king. And what do we say to the king that has come for us to save us? All right, senior school. So we're going to continue now thinking about our theme from 1 Samuel. The theme is the search for king. And like I said, we're going to see how God's people, they ask for a king. And we're going to meet who that king is for the very first time. Uh, we're going to begin by looking at this little part from the Bible from 1 Samuel chapter 8 verses 1 to 9. And we're going to see God's people say, we want a king. This is what it says. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of the firstborn was Joel and the name of the second was Abijah. They served at Beersheba, but his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So we can see here that Samuel's got old. Uh, not only is he old, but we can also see that he's got some sons, but his sons are not very good. Uh, they don't follow Samuel's ways, and they're dishonest. They're, you can see there that they're accepting bribes, and they're not just in their judgment of God's people. So look at what happens now in verse 4. The elders of Israel gather together and they come to Samuel at Ramah and they say to him, You're old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. You see, God's people, they want a king. They want a king like everyone else because Samuel's old and his sons are just not very good. Now, when they said in verse 6, Give us a king to lead us. Samuel wasn't very happy. It says, this displeased Samuel. And so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord says to him, well, listen to what they're saying. Um, and he says, word for word, listen to all the people are saying to you. It's not you that they've rejected, but they've rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day that I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will rule over them will claim as his rights. See, Samuel, rightly so, is not very happy about this. And as Samuel has done before, he seeks God out. He's a good leader, right? And he wants to know what God thinks about this. And so he goes to God. God responds and he's like, well, Samuel, don't be too upset because I'm the one they're rejecting, not you. So tell them about the king that they're going to have and the king they're going to have is not going to be good. Uh, they might think that he's okay, but at the end of the day, he's going to rule over them and he's going to claim things from them. So let's have a look at that now, because in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 10 to 21, we actually see that God gives them a very stern warning. So this is the warning that he says. So in verse 10, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people, and then Samuel passes on the warning, and he says, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. And if you look at your screen there, you'll notice the reoccurring phrase over and over again. You notice he will take, 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 he will take. And also it says he will assign. See, the gist of this is clear, isn't it? That the king that they're going to get is not going to be an awesome king. He might look impressive 
And he's definitely going to be like all the other kings in the other nations, but this king is going to be a king who takes. He's going to take the sons to be warriors in his army. He's going to take their daughters to be the ones who make perfume and who cook and who bake. He's even going to take the best of their fields and their vineyards and their flocks. This king is going to take. But even so, that's the case. Look at verse 19. The people hear these words from Samuel and they cry out, No, we don't, we don't care. We want a king. We want a king over us. Then they say in verse 20, We will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight for our battles. We've got to remember here that while they're saying this, they are forgetting that they already do have a king. The king is God, and that God has already fought battles. Remember, what has he done for them in the past? What has he done for them with Egypt? He has fought great battles for them. He has led them out with great might and power, but they have forgotten. So, story goes on in verse 22. The Lord answers, listen to these people, listen to them and give them a king. Well, let's meet this king. And we meet this king in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 to 10. His name's Saul. And Saul is impressive, he is tall, and he is handsome. Let's see. So there's a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name is Kish. Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Aphia, of Benjamin. All these names, right? They're wild. But at the end of the day, we see in verse 2 that Kish, he had a son, and his son's name was Saul. And we notice here that he is described as a handsome young man, as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Here is a tall and a handsome young man. He looks quality. There's no one else that's like him. He's more handsome than anyone. He's even taller than anyone, the text says. Let's keep going though, because we see what happens next with this guy called Saul in chapter 10. Saul ends up anointing this guy uh, Saul is anointed by Samuel, rather, as the king. And we see that in chapter 10, verse 1. Samuel took a flask of oil, olive oil and poured it on Samuel's head. And he kissed him and he said, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Here is the guy that is going to be the king. God points him out to Samuel and Samuel anoints him as king. He sets him apart. He marks him as the one who will lead God's people. Now, uh, after all that happens in chapter 10, verse 9 to 13, Saul goes on from Samuel. Uh, and as he goes on, notice here in the green text that God changes Saul's heart. And as he changes Saul's heart, the Spirit of God comes powerfully on him. And Saul joins in the prophesying of the prophets who are around him. This is incredible, right? Because what we're actually seeing is that God is marking aside somebody to be the king of his people. But he's not just an ordinary king. This is a king who is also a prophet. A king who is going to point God's people, or he's meant to, point God's people to God. Their, their mighty leader. The right leader for them. Now the story continues, right? And Samuel brings Saul out before all of the people of, God's, of Israel, of God's people. And we see what happens here in verse 23. And we see that he is a head taller than any of the others. And again, notice he's tall, he's impressive. And Samuel says, look at the man that God has chosen. There is no one like him. There is no one like him among all the people. 
This looks like a good king selection, doesn't it? There's no one else like him. He's a good king. He's a tall king. He's a good-looking king. He's upright in the way that he stands among the people. And so the people are excited by this. And so look at what they say. They shout, long live the king. You can imagine it, couldn't you? The cheer growing up among the people. Long live the king. Long live the king. Long live the king. But at the same time, we also notice that there are other people who respond to Saul. There are some people that look at Saul and who he is, and they're not quite, they're not quite sure. In verse 27, we can see that there's some scoundrels among them. And they look at Saul the king, and they sort of scratch their head, and they ask this question. How can this fellow save us? And in fact, the text says, you can see it there, that they despised Saul, and they brought him no gifts. It's interesting, isn't it, to see that Saul is made king, but as Saul is made king, there are different people in the crowd that respond in different ways to him. So here we come to this part of the Bible where we see that finally God's people get the king. They get the king that they want, this young, handsome, tall, good-looking guy who is going to lead them and hopefully save them and be their rescuer. This is good news for God's people because here is their long-awaited king. But what does this mean for us? As we look at this passage, what should we be thinking? Because Saul is not our king. You see, we have a better king than Saul. Somebody who's way more impressive than Saul. And of course, this king, our king, my king, maybe your king, his name is Jesus. Jesus is the king who has come to be the super impressive king, the perfect king, the king without sin, the king without fault. Jesus is the king who came to save, to save you, to save me, in fact, to save the whole world. And we know that Jesus came and he saved the whole world when he died on the cross, when he rose again. Jesus came and he died and he rose again to save us from our sins. But how? How is that possible? How does Jesus coming to save us from our sin, how does that actually work? Well, we need to read the Bible and, and we need to keep on reading the Bible to understand a little bit about this. In the Bible, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we read this. Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. You see, Jesus died, Jesus suffered for you. Jesus the King suffered for you and for me. He did that so that we would not perish. That's what our college verse says, isn't it? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to die, to suffer in your place so that you would not perish. In our story today from Samuel, we see how there's some people who see the king, who see King Saul, and so they're stoked and they say, Long live the king! Here is the king! Yes, he's here! Finally, let him rule! Let him save! Let him lead! But at the same time, there's some people who stand there and they are the scoundrels we see them. We see them described as the scoundrels and they ask the question, who is this? How can this fellow save us, they ask. 
Well, I think that as we come face to face with Jesus, we're like either one of those two groups of people. We can be like the people who stand there and go, how can this guy save me? How can Jesus be my king? How can Jesus be the one that saves me? Well, at that point, we need to remember what we've just read in the Bible. Remember that Jesus came and Jesus died and Jesus suffered so that you would not have to suffer. Jesus came and he suffered in your place. So after we come to understand that, and hopefully after you believe it, you can be like the other people in the crowd. The other people who stand there in front of their new king in 1 Samuel. Maybe you can be like that when it comes to standing before Jesus and you can chant, Yes, long live the king. Here is Jesus. He is our saviour. He is the one who will rescue us. He is the one that will save us. And he is my leader and I will follow. Long live the king. Jesus is the king that you need. Jesus is the king that has come for you. What is your response? Do you just look at him and scratch your head and wonder, how will he save? Or do you join with everyone else and say, long live the king? Thanks for listening to my podcast. Uh, I hope that was an encouraging opportunity for you to learn something more from God's Word about how He has loved us and how He has saved us and who He called us to be in Jesus. Feel free to get in contact with me via Twitter at MRK underscore Schroeder.